0: 12 and verse number 23. Let's see, 23. We'll we'll start at 23. Read a few verses and then let you sit down. Are you glad to be saved? Amen. Amen. All right. John 12, 23. Have you found your spot? All right. And Jesus answered them saying, The hour is come. The hour is come. How many times have we heard? Uh, it started with Jesus with Mary, his mother, uh, in John chapter number two, and she said, "Listen, we're out of wine." He said, mine hour is not yet come." You know, uh, it, it's not time. Uh, how many times they wanted to arrest them, uh, arrest him, and, and it says they could not because his hour had not come. If y'all remember when we first started this study, uh, throughout the beginning of it, we knew he was on a divine. Timetable. Everything was right on time. Say amen. amen. I mean, even down to the fact of when he went to Lazarus, everybody thought he was too late, but Jesus was right on time. Amen? Everything was on time. And it's been said so far, it's not yet. Not yet. My hour has not come. It's not time. Well, guess what? It's time. It's time. That's what we're going to read today. Mine hour, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except the corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me, and where I am there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my Father honor. Now, if you underline stuff in your your Bible, underline if any man, both times in that one verse, if any man, it's very significant. and We'll get to that here in just a minute. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this cause came I into this hour. Father, glorify thy name. Then came there a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. The people therefore that stood by and heard it said that it thundered. Others said an angel spake to him. And Jesus answered and said, This voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. Say amen right there. This he said, signifying what death he should die. In other words, he was in reference, he was talking about crucifixion. The people answered him, We have heard out of the law that Christ abideth forever. And how sayest thou, the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? In other words, is this somebody different? Is this somebody different we're talking about? Then Jesus said unto them, Yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while ye have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. While ye have light, believe in the light, that ye may be the children of light. These things spake Jesus and departed, and did hide himself from them. But though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him." Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for the privilege of being in your house once again. Thank you for the opportunity of taking your word and sharing it, studying it, reading it, learning from it, uh, growing from it. And I pray that we'll do all of that tonight. I pray that we'll read. I pray that we'll, we'll comprehend what we are trying to study tonight. I pray that your perfect will be done. Help us to apply your word to our lives and use it in our daily walk. And God, I pray that we'll grow closer to you than we've ever been before. Closer to you than we were yesterday. And Lord, I pray that we'll draw closer and and become the disciples you'd have us to be. And Lord, we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Let me do a little brief review uh, to catch us up. It's been several weeks since we've been in this particular chapter uh, in our study. And so here's, here's where we're at in John chapter number 12. Uh, John chapter number 12, we find Jesus coming into the last week of his life, the last week of his life. Uh, He is having some, uh, if you want to use this terminology, he's having some last minute uh, meetings. He's having some uh, last minute dinners and fellowships and spending some time with his closest people, uh, the people that's closest to him. And uh, so here we are in the last week of his life. Uh, He has presented himself to the nation of Israel. As their Messiah. Uh, First, in the first part of the chapter, we find him having a meal uh, and Mary anointing him with the alabaster box of ointment. uh, She being criticized. We talked about all of that. Uh, Jesus correcting Judas. And we know, uh, as we have studied before, that that triggered triggered and and really revealed who he really was. That he wasn't uh, who everybody thought he was. He was a thief. And he criticized and he brought, uh, 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 tried to, to make himself look good by making someone else look bad and, and, and Jesus got on to him, Jesus chastised him and he turned around and went and decided to uh, uh, betray the Lord and, and sell out the Lord and, and so uh, after that we see Jesus decides to come into Jerusalem uh, and now he is coming into Jerusalem, it is the, it is the week of the Passover feast, so All of Jerusalem is filled with people. You got to understand, there's thousands and thousands of people here. It's crowded, Uh, people bustling, hustling, bustling. People have come in from all over the world. Uh, I was thinking about that when I was over in Israel last week. Uh, uh, There there were buses. We we would come in, and and, and every bus, they had like a flag in the the windshield of the bus uh, because most of the buses look the same, so it'd help you find what bus you're supposed to be on. And man, there was flags from all over the world, people coming in. Uh, to visit pilgrims coming from all over the world to be in the Holy Land. And, and man, it made me think about how they would do that during the Passover week. And they would come to, to celebrate Passover and come to worship. And, and from all over the world, we have people here in Jerusalem uh, to celebrate the Passover. Well, Jesus has become pretty popular by now. And, 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 and especially, especially after he raised Lazarus from the dead. So here people are excited to hear about Jesus coming, not just because of Jesus, but because they wanted to see the man who he brought back from the dead. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I'd like to sing that too, so amen. I mean, we got to understand this this is like a significant deal. Everybody knew he was four days in the ground. He was already stinking and Jesus brought him back from the dead. So it's almost like a side circus show that this man, they want to see what Jesus had done. All right? Now, Jesus presents himself. He comes into Jerusalem, and they hear that he's coming. They hear that Jesus is coming. They hear that this man, this miracle worker, uh, the one who, who, who has claimed to be the Messiah, he's coming. Now, Jesus did, and he approached Jerusalem uh, in the way he did to fulfill Scripture. I believe it's Zechariah 9.9. 9. I think it's Zechariah 9, 9.9, but it's in Zechariah. Where it refers to that the king, the Messiah, the one that is, has been prophesied that he would come, he would come riding in on a colt. So guess what? That's exactly what Jesus did. He fulfilled scripture. He fulfilled prophecy. And, and through that, he was telling them, I'm the one. So he's presenting himself to the nation of Israel. He's presenting himself to the Jewish people. I am your Messiah. They come out. And they begin to lay palms out. They begin to lay their own coats out. And they're crying, Hosanna, Hosanna to the king, Hosanna. And, and, and we know by studying the last, the last uh, lesson that we studied, they are crying out, save now, save now. In other words, they were looking for a hero to take Rome off of their back. Save us now. Deliver us now. They were looking for a military strategist. They were looking for a military hero. They were looking for somebody with power and might. And and, and this is the thing. Jesus came to deliver them from their sin. He was the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. He came to be their Savior. The Savior of their sins. they, They missed it. They didn't get it. They were not looking for a spiritual hero. They were not looking for a spiritual savior. Uh, They didn't, matter of fact, they didn't even think they had sin. They thought everybody else did but them. They were God's chosen people and they took for granted that uh, they were the seed of Abraham. So they thought they were good. But little did they know. Little did they know. And so they missed it. They missed who he was. They missed who he was. Now... Reading the first part of the chapter up to where we started tonight, this is what we see. This is what we see. We see people not believing and rejecting, okay? we see put it this way, we see Jews rejecting. say that with me. Jews we see Jews rejecting. He came unto his own and his own. come on say it, in his own. okay, so so here in this chapter we find. The Jews rejecting, the Jews not accepting, and then we find some Gentiles, they're coming to him. They're coming to him. Now, this is, this is just a picture of what's fixing to happen. This is a picture of what takes place with our Lord, and when he presents himself and he offers, he offers uh, uh, salvation to the Jews, and they turn their back on him, so he turns to the Gentiles. And, 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 and we'll get to that here in just a second. But uh, we, we see there's some transitioning going on. There's some changes going on. And that's what we're going to look at today, all right? It is time. So many times Jesus said, not yet. So many times he said, it's not time. Well, now, when, and, 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 and if you'll notice, this, he says this right after the Gentiles begin to seek him. The Gentiles begin to seek him. If that makes sense, say amen. amen. All right, that's that's your preview of the first part of the chapter. Now let's dig into where we are right now. All right, are you ready? To say amen? amen. All right, look what it says. It says in in uh, 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 let's see. Let me let me. I'm on the wrong chapter. Let me get back over here. All right, here we go. Here we go. Verse number uh, uh, verse twenty. Let's start with verse twenty, and then we'll, we'll come through. And there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. The same came therefore to Philip, which is, was, was of Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. Philip cometh and telleth Andrew, and Andrew and Philip tell Jesus. Now, if you, if you have studied, if you have studied the, the temple area, you would, you would know uh, that there was a court for the Gentiles. The Gentiles could not go into certain places in the temple, defile the temple. They could not go into the, uh, uh, the, the holy place or the holy of holies. But there was a court for the Gentiles where they could come and approach God and come to the one true and living God. So there's, it's a great possibility that the Greeks were allowed to come there, but Jesus was in the part where the Jews were, so they couldn't get to him. So they have found some of his disciples and said, "Will you tell him, we would love to meet with him. Would you tell him we we would like an audience with him? We would like to interview him, to talk to him. They were seeking Jesus. So here we find we find a totally, a totally different deal. It's not in the beginning, it was Jesus to the Jews, but now it's the Gentiles who are seeking an audience with him. So let's look what it says. The Bible says, And Jesus answered them. Talking about Philip and Andrew. And possibly, possibly. Uh, the, the Greeks, the Gentiles who are seeking him. And Jesus answered them saying, the hour is come that the son of man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it until life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. All right, number one. Taking notes, write these things down. We see a convicting principle. A convicting principle. Verses 24 through 25. First, I want you to write this word down. An explanation. An explanation. What principle? What principle is he teaching? It's it's basically... Uh, it's, it's basically not, not necessarily the, the, the law or the principle of sowing and reaping as much as it is the, the principle of dying to live. Dying to live. In other words, Jesus is fixing to lay on them. And this is really the, the beginnings of when he's explaining to them what's really fixing to happen. Now, keep in mind, keep in mind, in their minds, they're still looking for the hero. They're still looking for the Messiah. They're still looking for the warrior. They're still looking for the king who's going to come and be their deliverer. But he's fixing to tell them, I'm fixing to die. I'm fixing to not not just die. He is, he is specific in saying, I'm fixing to be crucified. And so before he, he, he just i mean just lays it out there that he's going to be crucified he begins to tell them the principle and the and the truth about this it is seed about dying about dying to self and he begins to explain why this has to be why he has to go through the process that he's fixing to go through why he's going to be crucified why he's going to be put in the ground one day he's going to come back up now what what does this mean to us what does this principle mean to us? Do you realize, do you realize that this whole truth here, it's really a truth and a teaching against selfishness. Selfishness. You say, what do you mean? The Bible says, the Bible says in these verses, if a, if a seed die, then it will bring forth fruit. But if it doesn't, it's going to be alone. It's going to abide alone. Then he begins to say this. Look in the next verse. Look in the next verse. It says, he that loveth his life shall, in other words, he's consumed with himself. He that loveth his life shall lose it. And he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. So what he's explaining here, if you want to experience real life and real success and real prosperity and real productivity, if you want to get the best out of life, you've got to die. If you want to have a great marriage, if you want to have a great marriage, you have to die to yourself. Do you, you know when marriages are destroyed, when marriages begin to disintegrate, when it turns to be about yourself, when people date, when people date. I mean, you just watch it. I, 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 everybody that's dating, you do everything in the world to attract the other person. You do every, everything in the world to impress the other person. You put your tight britches on and your perfume or your cologne or whatever, you hoping you're going to turn her head. Say amen. Don't look at me like that, people. I know what I'm talking about. Amen. Everything is about the other person. Everything is to please the other person. Everything is to make the other person happy. And when we get married, we put on a ring, and then a chemical imbalance takes place, and everything changes. Guys, when you're dating, when you're dating, you'll sit there all night on the couch waiting for her to get dressed. When you're married, you're in the car beeping the horn saying, come on, woman. <laughs> Ladies, you'll have a witness. <laughs> I, I'm, I, honestly, I don't, I don't even want to do marriage counseling no more. Because this is what you hear. He, he just don't make me happy anymore. She don't meet my needs anymore. You know what, what it's become? About me. You want to have a great marriage? Die to you. You want to have a great... Let's just take marriage off the board because apparently y'all don't want me talking about that. <laughs> How about relationships? Relationships. Watch this. The principle that Jesus, let's look at the principle now. He says that if if a seed doesn't die, it abideth, what's that word? Alone. Alone. You know what real selfish people end up being? Alone. 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 Are you getting the drift now? We see a principle Now, before he tells them, I'm going to be lifted up. In other words, I'm going to be crucified. He said, let me tell you why. Because this is going to really wig them out. Because the Jews hated crucifixion. Crucifixion was a Roman deal. Crucifixion was a a very cruel and and disgusting way to die. You know, it it just, anyway, anyway, it, it was very despicable to a Jew. And so Jesus is fixing to put this on them that, hey, I'm fixing to be crucified. Before I tell you that, I need you to understand there's a purpose behind it. There's a principle behind it. There's a principle of of life that we all need to understand that if we're going to get the best out of life, if we're going to get the most prosperous life, we have to die. What did Jesus say about discipleship? About being a disciple. He said, if any man come after me, Let him deny. himself. Boy, we love this topic, don't we? We're just thrilled tonight about what we're hearing. Let a man deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. You know what he's saying? You, You can't even be a disciple until you die. You know why most of us are not living and we're not happy and we're not fulfilled? When we're depressed with all of life, is because we've made life and everything and everything we have, all of our relations about us. When if we would just learn to die, to die to our wants, die to our desires, die to our hopes, die to our wishes, and say, God, what, what, what do you want? What do you want? Not my will, but thy will. thy will be done. So he's teaching us something very important. That I, I'm telling you, if we could truly get this, it would change our lives. How many of you have figured this out? That as long as you make things about you, you're never happy. Ladies, if you're trying to find a man that's going to make you happy, forget it. Forget it. Men, if you're trying to find that one that completes you, forget it. It's not happening. There's not one single woman that can complete a man. There's not one single man that can complete a woman or make her happy or fulfill her. The only place that comes from is Christ. And when we learn to die, that's when we truly learn to live. A seed, if it, if it abideth, listen, if it, if it doesn't, until it goes into the ground, until it dies, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Much fruit. Look at what Jesus said. It's amazing how Jesus turned what's fixing to happen. He said, the hour has come that the Son of Man be What? Well, let's look at it. Let's look at it. Look what it says in verse number, verse twenty-three. Verse twenty-three. Have you, are you there? The hour has come that the Son of Man should be. But you know what he's really meaning. You know what he's really meaning. Crucified. But it's amazing that Jesus didn't say, "The Son of Man, it's come time. The hour has come that the Son of Man be crucified." He uses the term, come on everybody. You know why? Because Jesus could see through that. Jesus could see what's going to happen on the other end of that. The problem with us is we don't want to die because we can't see through it to see what's on the other end of it. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. All right, look at the next point. Look at the next point. Not only do we see an explanation, we see an example. We see an example. Jesus is the prime example of this. He's a prime example of dying, going into the ground, and bringing forth much fruit. Uh, there is always glory after suffering. It, before we get the crown, we get the cross. Are y'all with me? Say amen. The example, Philippians 2, 5. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto what? Under uh, even the death of the cross. Now watch what happens. Wherefore God also hath highly, what? Help me. Now what did Jesus do? He humbled himself. He humbled himself. He made himself of no reputation. He emptied himself of of who he was. But God hath highly, hath highly, what does the Bible say? Humble thyself under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you, what, in due season. Jesus is the prime example of, of living out this principle he's trying to teach us. He said that he that loveth his life will lose it. But he that hateth his life, now the word hateth, understand this, it's not like I hate oysters, like, you know, people say that or or I hate cottage cheese or 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 you know, I hate scary movies. That's not the word hate there means to love less. To love less. It's the same, it's the same word where where we where we, you know, it says, unless a man hate his father's mother, sister's brother, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. What he's saying there is a hyperbole. He's saying, unless you love less everything but me, you can't be my disciple. What he's saying is you've got to love your life less than me. You have to love me first. You have to die to yourself. It's, just, it's, when you, it's when you lose that that you really gain that. That you gain that. Man, I, 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 I can't tell you how long I ran from this principle. I, I've told you a story a hundred times when, when I was a kid and that preacher was preaching in that service and pointed at me and said, I want him to be a missionary. And, man, I am like, man, don't point that finger at me. And from that point on, I was like just running from God and just scared to death. I don't want to be a missionary. I don't want to be a missionary. God make me be anything but a missionary. Missionaries have to eat roaches. Amen. I mean, I grew up in church my whole life. I've seen missionaries come in with slideshows, and they talk about having to eat bugs in the bush and all that. And listen, I'm not all about that. And I was just running, and I had to finally come to the place that had to die to me. And die at what I wanted and quit running and saying, God, whatever you want. And you know what I found out? God wanted for me what I wanted. Right. And I found what I've been looking for running from him. Are y'all with me? Yeah. And you just got to trust me on this. Until you die to what you want, until you die and say it's all about him, you say, well, that's good for Jesus. God highly exalted him. That's great. But what, watch this, write this down, number three, C. We see an explanation, then we see an example. Jesus is a prime example. But then we see an exhortation. We see an exhortation. It says there in verse 26, If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where, now he's encouraging these people. Follow me. And where I am, there shall my servant be. If any man shall serve me, him will my father honor. All right? Look what it says in Romans 12.1. Look in your notes. It's right underneath the word. Right underneath the word. Romans 12, 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living, what's that word? Say it again. Holy and acceptable unto God, which is your? You know what he's saying? Die. Die. Come to God and offer yourself as a living sacrifice. We know it's not talking about physical death. That's what a sacrifice was. A sacrifice, they, they, they would slay a lamb and put it on the altar. What he's saying is come to the altar and offer your life to God. Die to yourself. And it, you know what's funny? You know what's funny about this? God does not say that's above and beyond the call of duty. You know, most people think, well, when, they, when you look at a surrendered person, somebody says, I just want to do what God wants me to do, whatever his will is for my life. And most people say, boy, what a great Christian he is. Well, I tell you, they're, they're surrendered to go. Uh, you, know, you know, most people think about pastors and doing what they do, or missionaries, Travis going to the Philippines or whatever, thinking that that's above and beyond the call. It no, it's not. It's just reasonable. It's what the verse says. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. In other words, die to yourself, die to your desires, die to your wants, and present yourself before God. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable unto God, which is your? Reasonable. reasonable. It's just reasonable. That's not above and beyond the call of duty. Isn't it amazing that God is saying you to totally sell out to him is just reasonable. reasonable. Why is it reasonable? Why, 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 is it, why is it just reasonable? After all that Jesus did, how could we not? How could we not? So we see a, a principle being taught. He is teaching these Gentiles. He's teaching uh, the disciples here. Uh, listen, I, I'm, I'm fixing to tell you something that's going to wig you out. I'm fixing to tell you what I'm going to go through. I'm fixing to die, I, I, you know, and, and, and I'm going to die in a very bad way. It's going to be terrible. Uh, but you need to understand something. In order for, for, for uh, great prosperity to take place and, and, and great uh, uh, productivity to take place unless the seed die and go on the ground it abideth alone in other words there's going to be great victory and great, uh, uh, great success come from this but it's not going to look like it how many of y'all would agree probably to the disciples when they're standing there on Calvary and looking up and seeing that cross and a dripping bloody savior that didn't look like a win that didn't look like a win so he's prepping them for this That's why he's teaching them this principle. If that makes sense, say amen. Amen. All right, number two. Number two. We see not only a convicting principle. This is is a real cool one right here. This is a real cool point. Uh, Number two. Number two. What's number two? Say it with me. A change pattern. Things are changing now. Things are changing now. If you will remember, if you'll go back and look through the Gospels, you'll find out that when Jesus began his ministry, Uh, and he's sending the disciples out to go minister and go heal and go preach the gospel of the kingdom and all these things. He says, go to the Jews only. How many of y'all know that? Look at your verse. Look at your verse. Let me look at Matthew 10, 9, or excuse me, Matthew 10, 5. Are you there? Say amen. amen. These 12 Jesus sent forth, commanded them, saying, go not into the way of the Gentiles and into any city of the Samaritans. Enter ye not but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. How many of y'all know Jesus was targeting Jews? He came unto his own. But guess what they did? They received him not. Watch this. I want you to write this down. A, there is a changed target. There is a changed target. Jesus has offered himself. Now, here's, here's where this happens. When you write that down, look back at me. I'll explain it. All right, he came into Jerusalem. He came into Jerusalem on the colt, right? I, I, I've got in my mind, I'm, I'm looking at this, I'm looking, sitting on the Mount of Olives, looking across the, the, the Kidron Valley there, the Brook Kidron, and, and, and looking at the Eastern Gate and the wall there. I'm seeing Jesus come in, and I'm seeing uh, the procession, and I'm seeing the people. You know, uh, they are. And, and let's let's go back to review again. Jesus is coming in. They're crying, "Hosanna, Hosanna! Save now, save now!" And in their minds, in their minds, oh yeah, we've got a hero now. We're going to be free from Rome and all this. And what is Jesus doing? Jesus is weeping. Jesus is weeping over Jerusalem because he knows in just a few days they're going to be going, they're not going to be crying, uh, Hosanna, Hosanna, look this way, look this way. They're not going to be crying, Hosanna, Hosanna, they're going to be crying, crucify him, crucify him. And he knows that. And because of their rejection and because of their unbelief, he knows in AD 70 that they're going to destroy the city and kill thousands and thousands of people. Women who are carrying children are going to be cut open and destroyed because of their unbelief. And he knows that. And he understands that. They're crying, Hosanna. He's coming in on the colt, and he's weeping over what he knows is fixing to happen because he knows that their worship is superficial. It's not even real, and they know that he, that he is not what they're looking for. And he knows they're going to reject him. And, and later on in that chapter, if you all remember, we read, I think it was the last verse I read in the text, It says, and many still believe not on him. Y'all remember that a while ago we just read that? So what does he do? He has presented himself as their Messiah. He's done miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. He's taught truth after truth after truth after truth. And still they reject him. So now things are changing. In the beginning he said, go to the house of Israel. In the beginning, he said, go to the Jews only. If you'll remember, if you'll remember, remember when the Gentile woman came to uh, 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 Jesus and said, man, I, I need a miracle. I need, you to, I need you to heal something. He says, it's not good for me to give the children's bread to the dogs. And, and, and that's a whole different message. And we know that Jesus still loved her too and was trying to get faith out of her and, and did. And matter of fact, he seen more faith in her than he did the nation of Israel. But we see there was a target. He was after his people. He was offering it to them. But they rejected him. Now watch this. Watch what happens. Watch what happens. The the, the Gentiles present themselves to him. The Gentiles come to him. The Greeks come to him and and want an audience with him. Now watch the terminology. Watch the terminology. Y'all with me? Watch how Jesus' words change right here. Verse 26. Verse 26. What's the first three words? If any man. You see the difference? Not if the Jews, not if my people, now he's saying, if any man, if any man. Let me explain something. Let me explain something. The Jewish people, just just look at me a minute, just look at me a minute. Uh, Jesus, or let's back up to to the Old Testament. When God called Abraham, when God called Abraham, the purpose that he had for the Jewish people was not to stand and get proud and say, we're God's people. But because of God's favor on them and God's blessings on them, they got arrogant and they got self righteous. And they got to the point because of what, everything around them, they began to hate everybody. If you were not a Jew, you were, you were the scum of the earth. They hated you. Think about Jonah. Think about Jonah. How many of y'all remember the story of Jonah? You know the one that rode the ark? I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. What happened to Jonah? What happened? He got swallowed by fish, right? God said, I want you to go to Nineveh. Nineveh was the capital of probably one real, real wicked Gentile city. Number one is wicked, but, but more than that, it's Gentiles. And God says, Go preach to them. Go preach to them. I want you to go tell them to repent. And his disdain and disgust with the Gentiles was so bad, I ain't going. I ain't going. And he went the other way. Y'all know it. Make a long story short. Storm, throw him over, swallow the fish. He repents. Oh, help me, help me, help me. Get me out of here. I'll go, I'll go. Oh, God, I'll go, I'll go. You ever been there? God has to get your attention. You know, he spits him up on the bank. He runs to Nineveh, and he preaches the gospel. Hell, fire, and brimstone. God's going to destroy this city. Y'all repent. Turn or burn, baby. Turn or burn. And guess what? They turn. And you know what he did? He got mad. He He went up on a hill and was waiting and ready to see God destroy the city. And they repented. And he was more angry. He was more angry that they repented. You know why? Jews hated Gentiles. I'm telling you. I there there's I believe there's still that today. We're we're over there. <clears throat> we're over there. Now you got to understand I'm a little different. And I I'm nosy too. So I'm watching people. And I watch people more than I was sightseeing. And I, and I mean I I'm just sitting there in 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 the real orthodox Sure enough, Orthodox Jews, the ones got the little curly hair on the side, a little, you know, shaved on top, you know, the really religious. To me, they reminded me of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. These are the people who think they're the most holy in, in Israel and all that. And, and, and we're, we're, we're in line. We're in line at the airport in Tel Aviv, fixing to come home. Now, you got to understand, we've been eight days of daylight to dark, going, 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 going. going ain't been able to sleep, can't sleep, just sleep patterns all messed up and uh and, and and so I'm tired. And I'm I'm ill. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all looking at me funny again. Y'all don't ever get that way. I mean you wore out and you're tired and you're ready to come home. You hadn't seen your family. I'm I'm just ready to see everybody. And I and, and in my head I know it's gonna be fifteen hours of flying and, and, and all this kind of stuff, which I'm not real thrilled about too. And so here they are right in front of us. How many of y'all know in in, in a really busy airport like that, it's just jammed in there? Now, I, I get it. I understand. I don't want nobody rubbing all up on me neither. I don't like that. But any time we got just, look, they would just look at us like, you Gentile scum. You know what I mean? It's just a, <laughs> boy, I'm telling you what, and it's all I can do. I, I mean, Alabama Redneck's starting to come out of me. I'm just going <laughs> to tell you that. But I could just, I could just, just the way they look at you, like, and and just, I mean, and not even try to hide it. I mean, if I'm going to be rude, I'm going to at least kind of fake it a little bit, amen? (laughs) But it was just, and and man, I immediately thought about the Pharisees and the Sadducees and just the Jewish people in general, and that's why, that's why Jesus ticked them off so bad when he would talk about the good Samaritan, because they hated him. They despised them. They wouldn't even. They, some of them believed they didn't even have a soul. And they had totally missed it. They were not to get arrogant. They were not to get self-righteous and, and, and so lifted up thinking they were something. That they were God's chosen people. God even told them, you wasn't nothing when I found you. And, and I, didn't, I didn't favor you because you earned anything or did anything to get it. You see, they were supposed to be a light to the Gentiles. They were supposed, basically put it this way, they were supposed to be missionaries to all the rest of the world. They were not to to, to get self-righteous and bowed up and arrogant saying, look at us. They were saying, hey, let me tell you who God is. What what did God tell Abraham? What did God tell Abraham? He said, all the families of the earth will be blessed because of you. And he was talking about, he was talking about, we got our Savior from the Jews, we got our scriptures from the Jews. Are y'all with me? You know, everything that we have here, we got from the Jewish people, God was saying, you're going to be a light. You're going to be a testimony. You're going to show and pr- pronounce to the whole world about the one true and living God. And they didn't. It turned to hate. They would literally come back into Israel when they would be in Gentile territory and shake the Gentile dust off of them so that that Gentile dust didn't come into the land of Jerusalem. And God is saying. And if we go back, if we go back to John three sixteen, for God so loved the Lord. Hey, I learned something. I learned something. I, you know, I, I, I don't, it makes a whole lot of sense. I mean, I, I don't know exactly whether it's 1,000% correct, but boy, it just made me think. We, we, were, we were driving through we were driving through, and, and right close to the old city, and he was talking about he the the the, the, the guide, the guide was talking about when Jesus uh, went in and 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 turned the tables upside down in the temple. Matter of fact, it happened it happened uh, uh, it went in the beginning of his ministry, and it happened again right after he rode into Jerusalem in his triumphal entry. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? I say amen. And he goes in and, 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 and he says, the, the, the guy says, why did he do that? I thought, well, I'm pretty sure I know. I didn't say nothing. I never, you know, I was sitting in the back and I didn't want to be a smart aleck. <clears throat> and, 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 you know, people started hollering out answers and some I thought was pretty close. And, and they said, well, because they, they was robbing people. You know, it, it, the people would, come from, people would come from other nations and they couldn't bring sacrifices so they set up vendors in the courts and, and, and would sell sacrifices to people who were coming out of town. They were doing money exchange because they would have foreign money and they would do money exchange. And, and they were extorting and they were giving them, you know, uh, they were cheating them basically. And all of that. And so everybody was hollering them answers out. And he said, yes, that's true, but that happened all the time. So what made this time so different and so significant? Why did Jesus get so upset this time? Because they did that all the time. And Jesus didn't do it all the time. He didn't. So what riled up Jesus so bad? And, and, and then he began to explain and when And when you read the verse of what Jesus said, my house should be a house of prayer for all people. All people. He began to explain what happened. He began to explain that there's a court and an area for the Gentiles. And so what they began to do is stuff all the vendors in the court of the Gentiles. So all of the vendors were there in the court of the Gentiles. So everybody, the Jews could come in to pray, but the Gentiles had no room. And what happened is they crowded out everybody from getting to God, specifically the Gentiles. And Jesus went in there and threw everything upside down. Why? My house shall be called a house of prayer for? You getting it? And what is happening? What is happening right here is there's a major transitioning happening. There is a major change. We're seeing the Jews rejecting and we're seeing the Gentiles coming to him and now even in Jesus' vocabulary and Jesus' wording, we're seeing that it's getting back to what it was supposed to be in the begin with, that he is the God of all the world. That's what it was supposed to be. That's what the Jews were supposed to be. They were supposed to be a light. They were supposed to be a witness They turned and it they began to hate everybody. And Jesus said, this ain't the way this is going to be. And ultimately we know, <clears throat> ultimately we know that, that the gospel and, and salvation was turned from the Jewish people to the Gentiles. When we studied the book of Acts, y'all remember? I don't have time to go into all that, but that's a great study for you. And, and now the Gentile, the church is primarily Gentile. And what is, what is the church supposed to do? Why did we raise? Why did we raise over $100,000 to buy those backpacks and buy those materials to go to people we probably will never ever see in our lifetime? Because we're supposed to be a light to all the, all the world. To every people. Every nation. Every tongue. And all God's people say it. So we see it. A changing target now. Does that make sense? Yeah. We see Jesus said, if any man. That's why I said underline that. Two times in that one verse you see, if any man. If any man. If any man. The whole thing they've been hearing so far is go to the house of Israel. Go to, don't go to Samaria. Go to the house of Israel. Go to the children. Uh, you know, now it's changing. Now it's if any man. It's any man. There's a changing target. Then, then be. Write this down. There's a conveyed truth. A conveyed truth. For God so loved the world. What's the conveyed truth? Look in Romans three twenty nine. Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. We see through this verse, we see a changed target and a conveyed truth. If that makes sense, say amen. Number three, we see a committed purpose, 27. All right look in, look in verse number verse number 27 <clears throat> now is my soul troubled. Now is my soul troubled. What color is you writing? Red. Who's speaking? Jesus. The word troubled the word troubled <clears throat> if you, If you look that word up, and by the way, just write difficulty there. We see A, Christ's difficulty. While you're writing, I'll explain. Uh, The word, it literally means horror. It means anxiety. Anxiety. Almost, I may not go as far as to say this. But the way it's written and the way it takes place, it's almost as if Jesus is having an anxiety attack. He says, now is my soul troubled. and soul means the deepest part of you. And the word is used also, you remember when, when Herod, when he was told, when the wise men came and said, you know, where is he, king of the Jews? And, and the Bible says he was troubled. And he was so troubled that he had tons of babies killed he was so scared and so troubled so this is the same word that's used about Jesus i mean we're fixing to, we're fixing to go into you know the details of what's fixing to take place and when he begins to explain it and he begins to talk about it he says my soul is troubled i mean it's it's terror it's horror This is not just, you know, I'm a little upset about this. I mean, it's a serious, serious deal. A serious horror has come over Jesus. And you say, is is he scared of death? No, he was born to die. He was born to die. He knew what was going to happen. He knew, the Bible says, he was was slain before the foundations of the earth, before before God ever said, let it be, and there was before God created the heavens and the earth. Listen, it was already predetermined by the sovereign will of God that Jesus would die for the sins of man. And and, and so it it wasn't crucifixion. It wasn't the nails that horrified him. It wasn't the crown of thorns Because he knew, I mean, he knew three days he was coming back. He would rise again. He said, I lay my life down and I take it back. Somebody say amen right there. What horrified him? What what was it that made Jesus' blood run cold? What was it that made him, you know, even, even make the suggestion when he said, what, 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 what shall I say? Father, save me from this? I mean, this is significant. This is a big deal. What was it that horrified Jesus in this moment? Even to the point, even to the point guys, when, when he was in the garden, his sweat became as great drops of blood. He was under such anxiety and such pressure. And he's praying and he's begging God. Father, I know all things are possible with thee. Let this cup pass from me. What cup? Oh, so it, was, it was the cross. He was, no. The Bible says he endured the cross, despising the shame for the joy that was set before him. What was it that, that, that caused him such anxiousness and anxiety? The Bible says that God the Father made him to be sinned Who knew no sin? That we might be made righteous. In Hebrews, the Bible says that it was such a contradiction. Let's turn there. Let's turn there. Turn to the book of Hebrews. Turn the book of Hebrews. I believe it's chapter 12. Yeah, 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 yeah. Chapter 12. Verse number two. Hurry, 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 hurry. I Like it. six minutes. People, tighten up. <laughs> Verse number two. There, if you don't have it, it's, it's, it's right here. Watch, watch this right here. I don't need these glasses for that one. Amen. All right, can you see it? Watch this right here. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. He endured the cross. I don't believe it was the cross. I don't believe it was the nails. I don't believe it was the whip. I don't don't believe it was the crown of thorns. Despising the shame, he hung naked before all the world. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now it's going to make sense. For consider him that endured. Now here's here's where it really begins to make sense. Consider him that endured such a what? A what? Contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. What what does that mean? Sin was such a contradiction of who he was. Now keep in mind, keep in mind, in heaven today, in heaven today, there are four beasts around the throne. In heaven today, crying out, holy, holy, holy. Holy, Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. He is without blemish and without spot. Neither was there any guile found in his mouth. He was the perfect God-man, no sin, perfect, pure, holy. Everybody talks about God's love and God's mercy and God's compassion, but that's not what's being cried out in heaven. It's God's purity. It's God's holiness. He is a Thrice, holy God, holy, 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 Lord God almighty, which was and is and is to come. And in this moment, in this moment, Jesus is seeing, he's looking down in the future and he's seeing that all the sins of mankind, all of the rapes and all of the murders and all of the incest and all of the abuse and every sin that man will ever concoct and come up with will be put upon him and he will become sin. And there was such a contradiction of who he was. It was so the opposite of his holiness and his purity. And that sin would be judged. And he's saying, my soul is troubled. We see Christ's difficulty. Now, here's what I want to take from that. Sometimes... Sometimes God's will for our life is tough. It's tough. Initially. I, I might even say this. I might even say this. It always is. If you can do it, it's probably not God called. Did you get what I said there? People say, oh, you're up on the platform in front of all the people all the time. And all the, you, don't know, you don't even know how much this is all God. All God. Who'd he call to kill the giant? A used. Why? Because when he was going down in that valley, this is what he said. God's going to kill you, buddy. David didn't say, David didn't try to take credit for anything. He said, people on both sides of this valley is going to know that there's a God in Israel. And I, I would say this. If God is leading you to something and you're afraid, good. Because if you wasn't, I'd probably doubt that that's what he's wanting you to do. Preacher, I don't know if I can do that. I'm I'm afraid. I'm going to say something. I'm going to say something. I'm going to land in all of your driveway right now. Totally surrendering to God, saying wherever, whatever, whenever. That's scary. And if you say it ain't, you probably ain't surrendered. What if God calls you to Jordan or Lebanon or Iraq, Turkey? My point is this. Just because it's scary doesn't mean it's not God's will. It might mean it definitely is. We see Christ's difficulty. You say, how do you know it's God's will? Because he said, this is why I was born. Look at the very next verse. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. He said, but for this cause, came I into this hour. So we see, we see Christ's difficulty, then B, write this down. Write this down. We not only see Christ's difficulty, but we see Christ's determination. Christ's determination. He said, This is why I came. Then we see Christ's declaration. This is the point. This is, this is the major point. Father, verse 28, Father, what? This was the principle that Jesus lived by his entire life. To bring glory to God. Let's apply this. Let's apply this. How, How can we apply this to our life? We kneel before our maker and say, Whenever. Wherever, whatever, just let me bring glory to you. That's what he's saying. All through the Gospels, all through, especially the Synoptic Gospels, all through the, the Gospels we find Jesus says, I always do the things that please my Father. I want to bring glory to you. What did, what did Paul say? To live is Christ, but to die is gain. You remember when we were going through the book of Philippians and Paul was in a bad way, he's in prison, everything's bad in his life, but he says, hey, if it brings glory to God by my death, you know what will radically change your life if we get that mentality? You want to stop all feeling sorry for yourself? You want to stop feeling and going through the grubs." Change your mentality, Lord, whatever pleases you. Whatever brings glory to you. Glorify yourself in this matter. Get the glory out of this. And you know what? Your life will totally change. He's troubled at at what's fixing to take place. But he's determined to do what God wants him to do. He's determined to fulfill the will of God in his life. And let me tell you something. God was tickled to death. So he cries out, I have, buddy. And I'll do it again. That's what his father said. Hey, this only happened three times. It happened at his baptism. It happened at the Mount of Transfiguration. And it happened here in this instance. God the Father spoke up for his son. You say, what did he mean when he said, I have? He glorified himself with all the healings. He glorified himself when he walked on the water. I mean, what can you say but, wow, what a God. When he calmed the storm and he calmed the seas, when he raised Lazarus from the dead. But you know what he's saying? I'm fixing to do it again. Because when you come back out of that ground, it's going to bring great glory to me. We're like two minutes over time, but I've got to give you this quick. <clears throat> Let me give you the three words. Let me just give you the three words, the outline, and then let's talk about it just a second. How many of y'all would like run and sprint to get them youngins? Would you do that? All right, watch this. Here's the words. The ministry of the cross. What happened at the cross? The world was judged and the devil was whooped. Say amen. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. The devil thought he was winning, but that was actually what God used to destroy him. Amen. The ministry of the cross the message of the cross and the misunderstanding of the cross. The ministry of the cross, the message of the cross and the misunderstanding of the cross. Let me tell you about the message of the cross. Well, let me tell you about the misunderstanding and then I'll tell you about the message of the cross. The misunderstanding was this. They thought that the hero would come because the wording was that he shall rule on the throne of his father, David, forever. And they said, wait a minute, if our Messiah is supposed to reign forever, How are you him if you're going to be killed? Does that make sense? They were confused. They didn't understand it. They didn't understand he was coming to be the sacrifice. He was coming to be the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. And they didn't understand that one day he would come back and reign forever and ever and ever. Somebody say amen. All right, let's get to the the message of the cross. It says, if I be lifted up, and it's in reference to crucifixion, He's not talking about, you know, if we lift the Lord up in praise and honor and glory, then then people will come to church. If we preach and praise and teach, that's not what he's talking about. He's literally talking about crucifixion because the Bible says that by signifying what death he shall die because when the Jews, when the Jews put somebody to death, they would throw, they would cast them down and then stone them. But when the Romans did it, they would lift them up on a cross. It was a cursed way to die. So does that make sense? Say amen said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. Man, I, the, the, I, I was there. I was there. And I told you all about them buses. And I was walking around looking at all them buses and looking at all them people. And man, when I was studying this today, it just, it just, I was like, wow. Seen buses from Korea. Buses from China. Buses from Japan. Buses from Uh, uh, Romania. Buses from the Ukraine. Buses from Mexico. Buses from Spain and Italy. Uh, Buses, several buses from the United States. What was happening? All the, come on people, all the, all the, was what? They're still being drawn unto him. He said, if I be lifted up, If I be lifted up, I'm going to bring salvation to black people and brown people and pale people and red people. All people. Isn't it amazing? There's so many, I'm telling you, you, sometimes you got to get off the corner. You got to realize you got to get out of Coleman a little bit. And understand that God is not a white American Southern God. He's the God of the world. I've got a video right now. I've got a video of of, a a Korean group uh, there at Caesarea in in a little amphitheater that was made to, you know, uh, uh, for seeing Christians being tortured and maimed and all of that. And they're sitting on the steps of this singing. Uh, how great is our God? i got, I got videos of it. I've got chills going down my spine seeing that these are people who's on the other side of the world worshiping the same God and reading about and singing about the same God I'm doing right here in Coleman, Alabama. Because that's the way it's supposed to be. He wasn't the God of the Jews. He was the God of the world. And we've got to be careful not to put that God in our American box. And all God's people say it. Amen. Anyway. All right. We're going to jump in the next chapter. Uh, no, we're not. We got one more time. One more time in chapter 12. Because at the last verse I read, it said, and many still didn't believe after all the miracles. Why? That's what we're going to talk about next week. Why did they still not believe? Why were they still blind? If you're ready for that, say amen. amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for the privilege of serving you. Lord, please help us as we...